All right. Cut the chit chat and have a seat. Let's go now. <laughs> All right. My name's Ben McGuigan, and uh, as it was announced, I'm going to be preaching this morning. But first, I just want to say again another welcome for any visitors, especially here this morning. We're glad that you're with us, and we hope that you're uh, blessed here this morning. Um, yeah, so just a couple of, of quick housekeeping issues, I guess. We're just taking a, a break this week from our normal series in Moses. So if you haven't been with us, we've been going through Moses now for several weeks. Uh, we've been learning all kinds of great things. Um, so Brent's going to finish that series off next week. And then we're really excited about our series coming up in the new year. Uh, the series is going to be called The Holy Spirit, okay? And we're going to be, we're going to be tackling all kinds of, of issues such as who the Holy Spirit is, what He does, you know, why is there a Holy Spirit, what, what's the deal with spiritual gifts, are they still around today, and how can I be filled with the Holy Spirit, and have I been filled, and all that kind of stuff. So we're, gonna, we're really excited about that, so Joe's going to kick that off January 4th, which, by the way will be a baby dedication Sunday as well. Okay, so lots, lots of exciting things going on. So this morning, uh, with it being just a few days before Christmas, uh, we thought what we would do is take, like I said, we're going to take a break from the Moses series and do kind of a one-off on Christmas because it seemed fitting. And so if you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn to John chapter 1. That's where we're going to be preaching out of this morning. And... Yeah, most of the time when you think Christmas story, you're thinking the Gospel of Matthew, the Gospel of Luke. That's where you get all the historical facts. You get the, you know, the angels and the dreams and Mary and Joseph and the stable and the shepherds and the wise men and all that, which are very important and very essential. And I'd encourage you to read that. But this morning as I was, well, I was preparing this morning, yes. But as I was preparing for this morning, I was thinking, well, it'd be good to go into John, the Gospel of John, and chapter 1 specifically, and see Christmas kind of through that perspective. It's a little bit different, and John, he actually, most Bible scholars think that he assumes that the readers are familiar with the other three Gospels, so they're familiar with the kind of the physical and historical aspects of his birth, and he focuses more on the spiritual so at the end of the Gospel of John in chapter 20, he says this. He gives us the reason for his writing the whole Gospel. He says, But these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. Alright, so with that in mind, that's the purpose of John's whole Gospel. With that in mind, we're going to read John chapter 1, the first 18 verses. And the guys will get it up on the screen. There we go. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John, talking about John the Baptist, he came as a witness to bear witness about the light, that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but he came to bear witness about the light. 
The true light, which enlightens everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people, the Jews, did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. Verse 14, And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen His glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. John bore witness about Him and cried out, This is He of whom I said, He who comes after me ranks before me, because He was before me. And from His fullness we have all received grace upon grace. For the law was given through Moses, grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, the only God who is at the Father's side. He has made Him known. So God, this morning we come to You, God, with our hearts open. God, we want to hear from You. Uh, We want You to make a difference this morning in our lives. So God, I pray, I ask for Your help, God. And I pray, God, that You would give us hearts that can understand. You would illuminate the scriptures here to us this morning, God, and that you would be glorified in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so there's a ton of stuff in there. That chapter, the first 18 verses are packed full. But this morning, I want us to look specifically at those first five verses. So maybe, guys, if you could just put up the five verses and just leave them right up on the screen. And uh, we'll kind of walk through them. So the first thing, we've got three different things we want to look at this morning. So Jesus as the Word, Jesus the life, and Jesus the light. And for those of you that like all of the, all the points to start with the same letter like Mr. Joe always does, the Greek word for word is logos. Okay, so we got LLL. But I'm not a Greek scholar, so I'm not going to pursue that, so... Okay, so first off, Jesus, the Word of God. So the first verse, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. So what in the world? I remember for years and years and years being puzzled by that. What is it talking about? Jesus is the Word. And everyone would say, well, it's talking about Jesus, but like, it didn't really make sense to me. So, as I often do, I want to quote something from the Jesus Storybook Bible, which I'll put in a plug. For those of you that don't have it and have kids, it's an excellent devotion book for your kids. So in the book, Sally Lloyd-Jones says this. She's talking about Jesus, God's coming messenger. She says, This messenger would be God's own son. He would be called the Word because he himself would be God's message. God's message translated into our own language. Everything God wanted to say to the whole world in a person. Alright? So, the the writer of Hebrews puts it like this. In chapter 1, verse 1, which we memorize. Remember as we were memorizing those verses out of Hebrews? Long ago, at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, He has spoken to us by His Son, whom He appointed the heir of all things, through whom also He created the world. Alright, so there we see God using Jesus to speak to us. 
Also in Revelation chapter 19, we see Jesus referred to as the Word of God. And this, this couple of verses here say, Then I saw heaven opened, and behold, a white horse. The one sitting on it was called Faithful and True, and in righteousness he judges and makes war. His eyes are like a flame of fire, and on his head are many diadems. And he has a name written that no one knows but himself. He is clothed in a robe dipped in blood, and the name by which he is called is the Word of God. And then it says, On his robe and on his thigh he has a name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Okay, so he's, John also wrote the book of Revelation. That little chunk there I like to keep in my mind during Christmas, that Jesus isn't some, today he's not some weak, powerless, poor, Jewish baby. He is King of Kings, Lord of Lords. He's ruling. He's reigning. He has all authority. So let's not forget that. Sometimes we like to keep Jesus, at least the world likes to keep Jesus in the manger. Well, He's not in the manger anymore. All right, so we have Jesus as the Word. And we also see that Jesus was eternally God. The Word was eternally God. So this whole bit of John chapter 1, it's echoing Genesis chapter 1 that says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. So John reminds us that Jesus was not just a baby that just came into existence at Christmas. Okay? He, was, he eternally existed with the Father and the Spirit. He was one with them. And when we celebrate His birth, it's not like celebrating my birthday, which is going to be in a couple of days. I'll be 32. And I'm another year older this year because I had a beginning... And now I'm another year older. Okay? When we celebrate Christmas, it's not like that. We don't put another candle on the cake this year and sing happy birthday. Oh, Jesus is another year older. No, He's not another year older. He's the eternal Son of God. And we see that He was involved in creation. Verse 3, All things were made through Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. Alright, so... So we get Jesus as the Word. He's, he's the, God's message to the world. We have Jesus, the eternal Word. So He's existed for all eternity. And here in verse 14, it's not up on the screen, but I'll read it out. It says, And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen His glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. Alright, so we have this, the Word became flesh. That statement right there is basically Christmas summed up. It's, it's an amazing statement, and we're not going to completely unpack it, because number one, I don't know how, and number two, we don't have the time. But basically, we have this God, the eternal God, who was beyond time. He was, he was eternally present. In an instant, He stepped into time, and He stepped into the physical realm, and he became a human being. In Philippians chapter 2, Paul writes, Though he was in the form of God, he did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but he emptied himself, taking the form of a servant, being made in the likeness of men. So when Jesus stepped out of eternity onto planet earth, he didn't lose his divinity. Instead of losing his divinity, he added to his divinity humanity okay so he was like we sang this morning he's the son of god and man so he was the son of god and man he's fully god fully man the other thing i want us to see is says the word became flesh and he dwelt among us so when when we 
when you look at that word, the word that word that's used for dwelt, signif- it points back to the tabernacle and it refers to pitching one's tent among us. Okay, so Jesus came and he pitched his tent. You remember the tabernacle? Moses was instructed by God. They made this tabernacle and what happened? The glory of God came and dwelt with his people. Well now, his presence is dwelling with the people in a human body. So there's a closeness associated with that. You know, picture it from John's perspective. He's looking back many years after Jesus walked the earth and he's thinking, he's, I can just picture him shaking his head like, I was actually with Jesus. I was actually with the Word of God. I got to go fishing with him. I, we climbed mountains together. We sat around campfires together. We ate meals together. Like there is a closeness associated with that term that he dwelt among us. We'll pick that up. In a minute. So we have the first thing, Jesus as the Word. And we're going through the, the first one fairly quickly because I want to spend a little bit more time on the other two points. So, the second one, Jesus, the life. Okay? The life of God brought to earth. So in verse 4, this one little statement in him was life. In Him was life. Okay, you remember Genesis 1 and 2? God created the heavens and the earth. Six days of creation. He gets, at the end of it, He makes, he makes the man, Adam. And it says in Genesis 2, 7, Then the Lord formed the man of dust from the ground and breathed into His nostrils the breath of life. And the man became a living creature. So Adam and Eve were very much alive as they walked with God, they talked with God, they lived with God, they were in God's presence, they had spiritual life because they were with God and there was nothing in between them. But when they sinned, when they disobeyed God, that everything changed. They experienced death. You remember God's warning? He said, when you eat of the fruit of the tree of good and evil, if you do that in that day, you will surely die. So he obviously wasn't referring to a physical death. He's referring to a spiritual death, which is actually much more serious. And in, in Romans 5, Paul, talking about this, he says, Therefore sin came into the world through one man, Adam, and death through sin, so that death spread to all men because all sinned. Okay, so we see that in Jesus' life, and he's coming into a world that is actually dead. Originally they had life, and they sinned, and they spiritually died. So it's in that setting that the life of God, that in him was life, appears on the scene. So, how is the life of Jesus imparted into dead people, into a dead world? Well, I'm glad you asked. Verse 11 says, He came to His own, and His own people did not receive Him. So He came to the Jewish people, and they didn't want to have anything to do with them. But to all who did receive Him, who believed in His name, He gave the right to become children of God. So through Jesus' coming, oh, I'll just read also 13. To them He gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. So you're born of God. So through Jesus' coming, 
and ultimately his life and his death and his resurrection, he opens up this possibility of us being called children of God or being born of God. So you remember a few chapters later in John when Jesus is talking to Nicodemus? You know, Nicodemus comes and he's like, what's the deal with you? And Jesus kind of cuts right to the chase. He's like, unless you're born again, you can't come into the kingdom of God. And Nicodemus is kind of like, born again? Like, how's that going to work? Like, I don't think I'm going to fit back into my mother. And like, he was all confused about it. And Jesus said, no, you need to be born of the Spirit. Okay, so it's not a... It's not a physical rebirth, it's a spiritual rebirth that Jesus is talking to talking about. So when we believe, like it says, to all who receive Jesus and believe in His name, when that happens, He gives us the right to become children of God, we're born all over again. We're born again. It's something totally new. Okay, 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old things... They've passed away. Behold, all things have come new. And in John 5, later on in John, Jesus says, For as the Father raises the dead and gives life to them, so also the Son gives life to whom He will. Truly, truly. I remember this is one of the first verses I learned as a kid. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever hears My word and believes on Him who sent Me has eternal life. He does not come into judgment, but is passed from death into life. Okay? So you're dead when you believe. You're transferred into into life. Okay? You've passed from death into life. You're no longer fear of judgment and all that. There's, There's something totally new that happens. So we have this opportunity to be born again. To be born, and and again, this doctrine of regeneration. You could do a whole sermon series on it. There's so many implications of it. But just quickly, you know, we're born into a new family, okay? We have a new nature. God gives us new nature. He gives us new desires. He gives us a new heart that was foretold way back in the Old Testament, about giving us a new heart. And like Joe said, writing His law in our heart and all that last week or two weeks ago. He makes us completely new, okay? So in Him was life. That little statement is just so full. So, just a couple of other things about this light. It's not just an ordinary, mundane, boring life like a lot of people think Christianity is. Okay, This is an abundant life. In John 10, 10 Jesus said, this, The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But I have come that you would have life and have it abundantly. And it's also a life that's going to last forever, right? Most famous verse in all the Bible, John 3.16. For God so loved the world that He gave His only Son. So that's this whole business of Jesus coming to the world and dying for us. That whoever believes in Him should not perish but have eternal life. Okay, this is a life that's going on forever and ever. So my question to you this morning, have you experienced this new life? Have you experienced being born again? If you haven't, there's an invitation here this morning that you can experience that. That you can have this new life. You can pass from death to life this morning. Alright, so we've talked about Jesus being the eternal Word. Okay, God's message to the world. How He stepped into history. 
how He became a man to communicate God's message to us, this good news that we've been talking about. We've seen that part of that message is that, you know, there's this opportunity for new life, that we don't have to stay in our deadness anymore, that we can receive new life in God. But I want to take it a step farther, okay? The second part of that verse, chapter in verse 4, In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. The life was the light of men. Verse 5, The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. So the third thing is that Jesus is the light of the world. His life, it's actually His life. It's not some weird, mysterious light that's shining somewhere. It's actually the life of Jesus that is the light. His life shines. It's not just a static, motionless, dead, irrelevant thing. He's our life. And he's, He shines as light into this dark world. And when you stop and think about it, this world, it's a dark place. It's a dark place. Like if you even, well, let me, let me ask you this question. What's significant about today, December 21st? It's the shortest day of the year. Like the less sunlight today than any other day. So this morning, behind the clouds, the sun came up about 8.05. Some of you are probably still asleep. Many of you, at least if you have young kids, were definitely not still asleep. This afternoon it will set at 4.44, which gives us about 8 hours and 39 minutes of sunlight. Alright? Well, my sister, Sarah, and her husband, Jonah, and their baby, Layla, they live in Fort Simpson, Northwest Territories. It's a little bit different up there. So, today... In Fort Simpson, the sun will come up at 10.28. So picture that. About coffee break time, the sun's just starting to come up. And it's going to go down at 3.40. So you've got 5 hours and 12 minutes of sunlight. So now, that's, that's north, but that's not, you know, that's, you've still got a lot of north above there. So if you're to go even farther to Sox Harbor... It's the Canada's community farthest north where they actually have permanent like people living there all year round. The sun hasn't come up since October. Okay? So all of November, all of December, all of January, the sun doesn't even come up. They probably get a little light, you know, on the on the horizon and then it just goes down again. I don't know. Probably one of one of the reasons why there's only 112 people that live there. <laughs> That and it was, I looked on the weather, it was minus 40 today with the wind chill. So one of the reasons people don't like winter, if we're just talking about this darkness thing for a minute, one of the reasons people don't like winter isn't necessarily because of the cold, although that's obviously a factor for many of us. A big thing that people always talk about is the days. Oh, the days are starting to get shorter now. But now the days are starting to get longer, even though it's just the first day of winter. But... So, like, there's been 
all kinds of studies done about light and its effect on the body, and I don't claim to be an expert in any of that stuff, so I'm not going to get into it. But we know that light and darkness has an effect on our mood, our alertness level, our, our productivity, sleep patterns, and all other physiological aspects of our lives. All right, so physical darkness, if you were to just to live in complete physical darkness, it has very serious implications on the body. And sometimes even that combined with silence and con- solitary confinement is a form of torture that's used. So it definitely, physical darkness has, a, has quite a significant impact on the human body. But what about spiritual darkness? Well, it's an even more serious problem. So the Bible consistently talks about darkness as being away from God, being separated from God, being away from His presence, right? Because what is darkness? It's the absence of light, right? So if God's life is the light of men, Wherever there's darkness, it means that that God's life isn't in that situation. Now, of course, we know that God is everywhere and He's omnipresent, but we're talking about a special manifest presence. When it's not in a place, that place is in darkness. So, if we just... Jesus came into the world about 2,000 years ago, and if we just look back at that point in time, just think about the nation of Israel, okay? He came to His own people, and He came to the Jews... And this is the situation they were in. They had just experienced about 400 years of silence from God. Okay, This is the nation that God had said, all the nations are going to be blessed through you. I'm going to bless who blesses you, curse who curses you. The, the point of the nation of Israel was really, to they were entrusted with the scriptures, they were entrusted with God's presence, so that all of the nations could receive life. But here we are, 400 years of utter silence, series of wicked kings, repeated rejection of God's laws, broken covenant. They've been taken into captivity. Some of them have made it back to their homeland. They've kind of taken a stab at rebuilding things, and now they're under Roman rule. It's not exactly a highlight in the nation's history. They're, They're experiencing darkness, definitely experiencing darkness let alone the rest of the world, the non-Jewish people didn't even really have a chance at, at getting God's presence, even though that was the intent all along. And you know what? Here, 2,000 years after Jesus came, things are different, but in a way, they're still the same. Okay, There's still darkness is still rampant in this world, and, we need, and we'll get into this here in a minute, but we need to be shining the light, the life of Jesus into our world. So just a few things that come to mind when we think of darkness. Okay, I, I summarized, I went through it at the year in review with all the news highlights. I'm not going to go through them here this morning. Not very encouraging. Okay, the, dark, the world is full of darkness in many ways. But even if we just, a, a couple of things that come off the top of my head in ways that our society and many of, of our people are caught in darkness, sexual sin. Okay, our culture is out of control on this issue. Okay, you've got 
like whether it's dentist students from Dell posting sick things on Facebook like we heard in the news this week, or whether it's people making child pornography, whether it's people looking at regular pornography, the whole sex trade industry, sex trafficking, homosexuality, like premarital sex, like it's just commonplace these days. And you got the dress code issue at FHS and all like folks, there's it's so dark. Like people are looking in the wrong places for life. The statistics are staggering. People are living in darkness and they need the light of Jesus. All right, tied to this issue of sexual sin, but not completely, but is the whole issue of abortion. Anybody follow the news? Everybody, anybody know what's going on in our province? Did you know that about every, every year about 1,000 babies are killed in abortions in New Brunswick? Okay? The total amount of births every year are about 6,800 a few years ago in the province. So about one out of eight are being killed before they're born. And last month, our premier announced changes to this Regulation 8420 that will remove basically all the restrictions on publicly funded abortions. I listened to some of the stuff they were talking about in the legislature this past week. They like to use very shiny, catchy, politically correct terms, such as reproductive health procedure. That's what they call it. And protecting women's rights. You know, they don't acknowledge the fact that of the 1,000 abortions performed in New Brunswick, they're terminating the lives of about 500 little women. They're certainly not respecting their rights. So if you want to talk about justice issues, it's a justice issue right in our backyard. So as a result of these changes, basically there's no restrictions on abortion. That's supposed to take effect January 1st. And apart from a miracle... That's, that's going to happen. Okay, We need God's light to shine into this area of our society. People are in darkness. They're deceived and selfish and all that kind of thing. We need to pray that God will shine His light into that situation. And that's one of the things we're going to pray about tonight at TAG. We could go on. There's all kinds. Those are just a couple of things. We could talk about drug abuse, alcohol abuse. We could talk about greed crime fathers abandoning their children how many fatherless kids are growing up here in this city fathers who just who ignore their responsibility to provide and protect and they're gone we could also talk about personal things like mental illness like people struggling with depression feeling hopeless suicide hurting broken people you know what the fields are white with harvest. There's a, it's a dark world, and there's a need, a great need for life, for light to shine into these situations. And that's what we're here for, folks. That's the perp, one of the purposes of the church. All right? So it's a dark world, but, like Brent said last week, but God. There, that's not the end of the story. All right? So God made a few promises. He made many promises about a coming light. All right, I'm just going to read out a couple of them. So long before Jesus' birth, in Isaiah 42, we read this. 
It's the Father speaking to the Son. Isaiah 42, 6-7 and 16. It says, I will give you, so the Father's talking to the Son, so He's talking about, I'll give Jesus as a covenant for the people, a light for the nations, to open eyes that are blind, to bring out the prisoners from the dungeon, from the prison, those who sit in darkness. And I will lead the blind in a way that they do not know, in paths that they have not known, I will guide them. I will turn the darkness before them into light, the rough places into level ground. These are the things I do. Remember what Jody was saying? These are the things I do. I do sinking boats. Well, he he brings light into darkness. These are the things I do, and I do not forsake them. There's a similar passage when, when after John the Baptist was born. You remember Zechariah, how he was, he was made so he couldn't speak until John the Baptist was born. After John the Baptist was born, he prophesies of the coming Messiah. He says, Because of the tender mercy of our God, whereby the sunrise shall visit us from on high, to give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death, to guide our feet into the way of peace. There's tons more in the Old Testament about a coming light, the promises that God has made. Alright, so when God makes a promise, how many times does He fulfill it? 100%, right? And ultimately, that prom- those promises of a coming light and bringing people out of darkness, it's fulfilled in Jesus. Alright, later on in John... If you have your Bibles, you can flip over to John 8, chapter 12. Jesus makes one of His famous I Am statements in John. In verse 12, He says, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows Me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. There's that connection between light and life again. And in John 12... Again, there's more, but we don't have time to hit them all. John 12, 35 to 36. So Jesus said to them, The light is among you for a little while longer. Walk while you have the light, lest the darkness overtake you. The one who walks in darkness does not know where he is going. While you have the light, believe in the light, that you may become sons of light. There's that whole... In a way, he's pointing back to the new birth, right? Becoming sons of God. And in verse 46 of of the same chapter 12, it says, I have come into the world as light, so that whoever believes in me may not remain in darkness. All right. So we have Jesus, we have a dark world, we have some promises that God made way back before Jesus came. We have Jesus coming, claiming to fulfill these promises. There's one thing, one other thing I want to see. Can you guys flip it to to verse 9, please? Verse 9. The true light, which enlightens everyone, was coming into the world. Alright? Jesus is the true light. The word translated true is referring to something that's real or genuine as opposed to counterfeit or imaginary or fictitious or, or uh, pretend. All right, So it's true. Jesus is the true light. And whenever you have something real and true, you can bank on there being a counterfeit. 
okay? So when I was thinking about that this week, I was thinking about moths, okay? You know, the little butterfly wannabes that fly around? Well, they're not really butterfly wannabes, but they're not near, generally they're not nearly as pretty, but anyway, they're attracted to light, right? You've all, you get the lights on, there's moths flying around. Well, there's a lot of different theories as to why they're attracted to light. But it seems, from the, the little bit of research I did, that the, gener- the most accepted theory is that moths use the moon to navigate. So because the moon is so far away, and because it's stationary, and it doesn't move, well, it does, but not relative to them, as, as they're flying, if they fly in a straight line, their angle with the moon stays the same. Okay? So if they maintain that constant angle... They can go in a straight line. But what happens was, what happens is when they see lights that are closer, that appear brighter, they tend to veer off course because they're closer. So as, as they fly along and the light's over here, they're trying to maintain the same angle. means that they have to veer toward the light. And as they veer toward the light, they eventually spiral in and they, they just keep hitting it, right? So there's a light bulb there. They just keep flying into it aimlessly is the moth being fulfilled is the moth you know the poor little moth doesn't know what's going on it's been deceived by a lesser light that appears brighter okay but in the end it leads to death so similarly when we look to other things you know there's also another theory that they think they're going to get food like it's emitting certain light that flowers that they eat emit or something like that so so they could be going for the light thinking they're going to get a meal what do they get emptiness all right so we can similarly if we don't look to god for direction and fulfillment if we're if we're not looking in the right place if we're looking somewhere else we're going to come up with emptiness confusion you know what ultimately death and that's what's going on in the world people are looking for light in the darkness Jesus said they don't know where they're going. They're just kind of wandering around aimlessly. It says elsewhere in the scriptures that there's a way that seems right to a man, but in the end, it leads to death. So there's lots of different counterfeit things that we can do. They can be things that we look for for fulfillment. It can also be good things, right? That we're, that we're, it can be looking to religion, counterfeit, you know, keeping all the rules, maybe that'll fulfill me, being a good person. And then there's just, there, there's other things we look to as well. So Jesus, though, is the true light, okay? When we look to Him, we'll never be disappointed. When we put our hope in Him, we'll never be put to shame. All right, so we've got a dark world. We've got Jesus who's come as the light of the world and fulfillment of these promises. He's the true light. Well, what difference does this make and how does this get worked out in everyday life like today 2014 how does it work well the way that jesus shines his light primarily is through us okay as we become born again as his life is birthed in us we carry his presence with us and as we go out into the world as individuals we carry the light of god the hope of god the purposes of God, the truth, we carry those into the world around us.
Similarly, the church, right? As we, the church, what's the church called? The body of Christ. So Jesus lives on, on planet earth. He now just has millions and millions of people bearing his name and carrying his presence around by the Holy Spirit. So, um, 2 Corinthians 4, 4 to 7, kind of gives us a little, in a way, a summary of how this has worked out. So 2 Corinthians 4, 4 to 7, Paul writes, he says, In their case, so he's talking about people that don't understand the gospel, In their case, the God of this world, or Satan, has blinded the minds of the unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel, of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. For what we proclaim is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ is Lord. With ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. For God, who said, let light shine out of darkness, has shone into our heart to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. But we have this treasure, or this, this treasure is the light that we have. We have it in jars of clay, our physical bodies, to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. All right? In Matthew chapter 5 as well, remember in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus is talking to his disciples. He says, you are the light of the world. Don't, don't go hiding the light, putting it under a basket and all that. Let your light shine that people will see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. So, as individuals, as individual Christians, and as the church, the body of Christ, we're called to shine into the darkness. So, what are some... You know, we're surrounded by people all over the place. What are some people in our lives that need the light of Jesus? Some of you here this morning need the light of Jesus. Maybe, you're, maybe you are a Christian, but you've got some dark areas in your lives that you need the light of Jesus to shine into. Maybe you're feeling hopeless. Maybe you're confused. All these things. Maybe you've been looking at some other things as a as an object to chart your course by and things keep moving around and you're just wandering around aimlessly, well, we need to realign ourselves with the truth, with Jesus, who doesn't move, He just doesn't shift around, He's stationary. What are, some, what are some people you can think of in your own life that need the light of the gospel? Okay, I know myself, I tend to think, Oh, those people are fine, you know. Everything, they seem to have everything all together. They're not interested. Well, you know what? It's not the case. People are dying out there. They're dying on the inside, and they're hungry for something real. They're hungry for something true, and they, they need to be told. So this Alpha course that Adam announced starting in January, what a great opportunity for people to come out, ask questions and all that, our Christmas Eve celebration on Wednesday. What an opportunity to invite people. And what are some ways that we can continue as a church to shine into the darkness? I'm so proud of our street level crew. Bringing people in, serving them, blessing them, giving them gifts day in and day out. You get the Christmas dinner, which is a, a big 
you know, a lot of attention to that and everything, and it's great. But you know what? It's the day-in, day-out grind of serving the poor, those caught in, in difficult situations. It's serving them. It's blessing them. It's shining a light into the dark areas of our city. And it's not just the poor who are in darkness, okay? There's many high-class people who are in just as much darkness, and they need our light. So Christmas, it's about a baby in a manger that changes everything, okay? It's about God taking on flesh, coming to bring life, and that life was the light of men, and it needs to continue to shine. So I'm going to ask the band maybe to come back up and Gary, I'm going to tag to you. You can figure out where to go from here. So, Father, we, we are thankful, Lord, that you don't leave us in the darkness. God, you don't leave us in our death and darkness. God, you bring life and you bring light and you change everything, Lord. And I pray, Father, for those here this morning, God, that are in darkness, they're in death, God, I pray that you would transfer them, God, from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of your beloved Son, whom you love. God, I pray for you to break into situations here this morning that are represented. God, I pray that you would change lives here this morning. And God, as we go out into the world, like Jesus said, God, I pray, God, that you'd help us to shine the light. God, it's not us. It's not, this, not of ourselves, God. It's, it's you that we're shining. And God, I pray that you would shine brightly. In Jesus' name, amen.